Welcome to Detox with D-Rich, where we talk and learn from inspirational members of our community and beyond. Now, from the Little Apple in Manhattan, Kansas, a man that is more perspiration than inspiration, your host, Derek Richards. Eric Richards, and this is D Talks, and uh, I hope that this will be a fantastic detox to your day. Whether you're walking, whether you're driving, uh, I'm just really thankful for you guys listening. And today is going to be another fantastic episode. I'm super excited. I've actually been trying to get this guest on since day one. He doesn't know, but I've been texting him, trying to commit, trying to get him to commit. Uh, this is Eric Kleiner. Hello. Hi, Eric. And I am super excited to have you on the podcast for many reasons, uh, just because I think you're interesting, and I think what you you do is interesting. Um, I love that you are, in my opinion, kind of a... Maybe maybe a, a pillar to Manhattan when it comes to certain things that you are doing differently, like your, mu- your music scene. Sure. Yeah. And just and being a cool dad and fitness and all the, all the topics that we're going to kind of get into today. So anyways, man, thanks for coming on the show. No problem. It's early, but I made it somehow. I beat you here. Yeah. No, I, I was, doesn't happen. I often. had to get some coffee. Me too. I'm, I'm not going to be able to have much energy if I don't if I don't fill up my cup. Um, well, hey, man, what's uh, what's going on in your <clears throat> your world? I know you you kind of you work at the high school, right? Is that I do? Is, is sometimes? Are you security guard? I am. Well, that's kind of a loose term. Like <laughs> I would say motivational that speaker. We're, we're more like there for kids' safety than guarding anything, really. I yeah. Mean, you know, I was a bouncer one time in Westport. Really? Back in the day. I used to bounce in Aggieville. Yeah. Well, I didn't bounce anybody, but I checked a lot of IDs, and uh, usually the bartenders took care of the bouncing. But We're at in Westport. Uh, do you remember McCoy's? Ma- uh, McCoy's? Maybe. It's across from the beer kitchen now. It's called okay. something else. It's on like Caddy Corner to it? Uh, not Caddy Corner, just across right. the street. Okay, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. It, it changed hands, but back in the day, it was McCoy's, and it was really good beer, really good food. Um but uh, yeah, it was hilarious that I was the one checking IDs because I couldn't, I couldn't snot, <laughs> snot. I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't stop a sneeze. Maybe that's what I was trying to say. Uh, I'm not even sure if that's a phrase. Anyways, it's uh, <laughs> a good one. <laughs> well, hey man, tell me. So, I'm I I, I really kind of want to dive into one of the main reasons that I I invited you on the podcast. I got to experience, and I think you might know where I'm going with this: the basement concert <laughs> scene. And it was something I've never experienced before. And I don't, I don't know where this came from, but guys, I was lucky enough. There's, a, there's an invite to get in. Like you can't, just, you can't just walk into this. It's not like a club that you pay money to get into. It is, it is an invite only, but it's a, it's, it's a concert in your basement. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're talking 400 square feet basement. Yeah, it's pretty small. <laughs> I mean, it's cozy. It's super cozy, which made the entire experience for me like magical. I was blown away by how much fun I had down there. Now, of course, I'm the old guy that you know. All the all the young kids are probably wondering why he's here. I'm pretty sure the guys in my band are older than you, Derek. That well, but they have an instrument in their hands. That's so, true. That's so, true. so they're equally, or not That's equally, true. they're way more cooler than I am. Um, 
but I was giddy, man. I, I, I was like a kid in the candy shop. I was like, I want to come back to this. This is so fun. This is so cool. So let, what? how did that all start? So I was in this band called Carney Encore. <gasps> My favorite band of all time, <laughs> Carney Encore. The greatest band. You should check band. out some other bands, man. <laughs> it's the Led only Zeppelin. one I like. It's the only one. Yeah. Well, we started practicing in the garage. Yeah. And then people... Like some people started coming to watch us, I think. Mm-hmm. And then we started. Do you not like this band? Why? Why do you shake your head? Carney's no, a no, good band. I, I like Carney Encore. Okay. It, we were all characters. Okay. I think that. What was your character? My character was the the guy that was jacked with. That got really drunk at the shows. <laughs> it took his shirt off. And took his shirt off sometimes. And did Steve kind of challenge you with that every once in a while? Steve was the shirt guy first. Like he'd get money for it. Oh, to take his shirt so off. So then I got more shredded to make him look bad. Good. And it was Good. easy. Awesome. Um, but so we started having shows up in the. I think one of my friends called me and he's like, "Hey, there's this band coming through." This is one of the first bigger shows, and they were from Sub Pop, the record label, which is like the same. You know, Nirvana was on Sub Pop. And oh, okay. A lot of big bands that we all like are on Sub. We're on Sub Pop at one point. They were called Downtown Boys, and we're like, yeah, we'll host them. So then we had them, and they were, you know, a huge, a huge underground band. Yeah. And then we kept kind of getting people started to like the shows, and we just kind of made it eventually an invite only because if you don't, in a college town, it just gets crazy, and you get a bunch of weirdos. Yeah, like old guys that have kids. Exactly, but because <laughs> I wasn't, good, so I wasn't cool. on the invite list, which is cool. You're always invited. Well, I had to. Honestly, there was a there was definitely a pause and a moment when I was trying to get in where I I just took the leap and I was like, I I, I want to come in, but the door guy was like, You're not on the list, bro. <laughs> and I was like, I know, I know, but I really want to get in this place. And luckily, I think Kevin. Save save the day and kind of yeah he kind of oh waved, he waved me in he was like you're, you're he he could come in mm-hmm. R- rolled his eyes good job like, Kevin I was like yes I'm here but, you know he just kept having shows and they got we got to the point where we had uh, Lou Barlow from one of my favorite band Dinosaur Junior one of my favorite bands and so it was cool we got some heroes of mine to play in my basement and then COVID happened so it's been a little bit of a not doing that right now so yeah so. <sighs> It's hard to describe because this is, guys, this isn't like, this isn't your average like basement band where like kids are coming over and just crushing a few beers. This is like you took it to a whole nother level. You had, right, you had uh, other bands that were performing, I'm guessing in Lawrence. I'm, I'm, I'm totally guessing, but it seemed like you had sort of a, a very nice uh, mix of, and, and, and frequency. How often did you guys perform? Oh, we kind of, for a while, we used it as like a rehearsal. And usually we would make the door, the door money would be like a donation door and would either go to, you know, charities that we chose or certain things we we chose for it to go to. But we would just do it just to either raise money for like business, local businesses or, or we, you know, or just to, just to do it. We do it just to practice a couple times a month. Well, but you had, but you had other people come and perform all the time. Oh yeah. All the bands from like Colorado, the first stop before Lawrence. How did they know about sure. you? How did how did how does That's a good question. Is that a is that a, a network that you're a part of or I'm part of a few forums that are like uh, underground DIY tour postings. So there's kind of a little community, but it gets really polluted like any like fitness or anything. There's like about 98% of it that's bad. Yeah. And 2% that's really cool. Gotcha. So we found the 2%, I think. And so you you how do you, 
how do you guys find each other on the thread? How do you know, how are you able to weed out? Do, do they have to just have a certain style to them or, or, no, or I, the name recognition? I think it's quality. You know, like we had this girl from Colorado come just message me and say, you know, can we come play at your house? Which was weird. And I'm like, <laughs> sure. After we watched their stuff and now they're one of the bands we've uh, toured with. You gotta turn your phone off, man. Oh my god, what an amateur! You're so you're you're so important, though. Yeah, right. Eric's got Eric's got a lot going on. We got to get him out of this podcast because he's got some uh, people to train after this too. Jeff Denny. Oh yeah, from Annie Mays. Okay, getting him getting him fit. He is he deadlifted five fifty before, so he's a pretty strong guy. Uh, belt. Uh, on naked bar, like what? What are we talking he was, about? He's done it on a, a trap bar with a belt. That's kind of his deal. Yeah, it's he's not competing in powerlifting, so it's more f- kind of works for him. Straps? Nope, no straps. He's got a crush grip. Nice. Where were we at before my phone call? Now we were talking about your your bands oh. that you know. So yeah, just getting people. They one she messaged us. This girl named Demi. Yeah, and her band is phenomenal. Like they've been on like European tours and. They're called the Velveteers, and and they've been on like Triumph motorcycle commercials, and they've got a pretty big underground following. <laughs> so we just were like, sure. Now we're now we're buddies, and we play like South by Southwest together every year that we can, and we'll go. We go out to Colorado, and they'll come over here, and we'll hook each other up. So what is the what is the reaction from these bands? Are they like, oh no, this is normal, or are they go, this is something special? What what oh, do you, what do you kind of get? It's the favorite underground venue. That's redonkulous of any i mean i i can i think we can say that pretty pretty safely why well first know. of all your your house is not really a house it's it's kind of a museum of of rock and roll a little bit it is <laughs> uh the plan is to get another house for how living purposes and leave my house as my play place as the, as the venue yeah because it's been through you know 10 plus years of male roommates uh-huh. and partying <laughs> So it's, I mean, it's awesome house. It's weird. It's old, but, but yeah, it's a, it's a rock and roll relic. I think that people like it because they can play and we, they can crash there. And like, sometimes you go on tour and play DIY places and the people are really weird and you're like, no, we're not staying here. Yeah. Right. So I think they're, I think we're pretty cool as far as that. Did you host the bands there? Like, did they actually spend the night there? Yeah. So the bands are really close with actually, we've got a neighbor (laughs) next door, Tony Nichols. Who has a garage separated from his house? So there's a the Tony Nichols Hotel that the bands will stay at next wow. door. Wow, that's so awesome. So we, we have a whole setup. And I'm I'm just it's so again when you go into the venue, I mean, how many people? Uh, oh, how many people can you actually fit in the basement that the city will allow you? Because you, this isn't like this isn't something that they've dodged. You you've been up and up with the city about like you've gone through that process how, was that easy or yeah you know i mean i can't remember exactly how many we they told us we could have um they came through and checked <laughs> checked everything so we we made sure everything was i mean the the safety the protocols stuff i mean they were cool with it though after we showed them they they were they were like this place is dope like That's they, great. they loved it but you know there have been other diys that we've helped kind of set up there was one over by the christian college uh-huh and it was the kids that were younger than us, and there was just no like care. No like, professionalism. I mean, they, they had huge shows that were awesome, but then like the cops—I mean, just too loud or too loud. Like our house is soundproof. 
Yeah, how was that? So what do you do? How, how have you made it soundproof? Because we're in the basement. Or yeah. you're in the basement jamming out. So the basement helps. Um, what, what I do is get, if I'm going to soundproof something, I generally get the two-inch, I think it's fiberglass insulation. Uh-huh. And you cut window cuts. Mm-hmm. So they just fit right in your windows, and it blocks out tons of sound. Nice. And that is, like, the easiest thing. And our neighbors are super cool. That's great. Like, our neighbors are Tony. He's a retired military guy. He comes out every show. So you obviously got... Um set back by covid yes on every musical front how's that been it's been okay we we had we were opening for a lot of big bands and stuff and then and then the everything got canceled we were supposed to open for the ataris at the bottleneck okay and that got canceled or i mean we had a bunch of shows set up and they're gone but now they're coming back we have three shows now hopefully is it coming back normal or is there no or, or is it are there things guidelines set place or is everybody just kind of waiting to no, be like, are we going to open things up again? So we're doing two outdoor festivals. Okay. One's in called Rockalua, Rockalua and Hayes. And the other one is called uh, rock on Prairie fest, which is in Dwight, Kansas party in the middle. Yeah. It's yeah. it's a redneck party. <laughs> it's sick, but the cool rednecks like cool. And then we've got one more um, Louise Harrison, George Harrison's sister has a band that she puts together and they'll come play Manhattan and we always open for them. So that's awesome. If that happens in November, that'd be great because that's a great show. It's a weird show, but it's fun. So are you, do you get starstruck at all by any of these people that you meet? Kind of. Okay. Yeah. I mean, is it hard to keep that in when you, when you are around somebody that you really look up to or you go, that's George Harrison's sister. You know, I'm super extroverted. So I want a picture with all of them. (laughs) Like, I'm not like, I've freaked some of them out, I'm sure. But don't you have that mental, like, conversation of, like, they don't really want to talk to me. Like, this, I'm annoying them. I think I get in, you know, the void. Like, there's, like, in lifting, there's this void you're supposed to get into when you're going for heavy weight. Okay. Or you just Explain kind that. of, you just kind of, everything's gone. So, like. So, you laser focus? If I see a, yeah. Like, if I see a, a celebrity, maybe. Like, when I got to hang out with Ric Flair. <laughs> I was just like, yes. I was just like, I'm hanging out with Ric Flair. He's going to be my friend. <laughs> you know, like he's was, like, was he your friend? He was great. He oh. was everything I expected. How did you meet Ric Flair? So I have a friend that's in this <laughs> band <laughs> and he got, he got this luncheon small meet, world meet right? and greet with Ric Flair. Yeah. Small world. Yeah. And he's in this big band and they were going to get this, they had the show in New York and this band was going to kill him. If he's, I mean, we're talking big money. If he skipped out on the show to hang out with Ric Flair. Okay. So he hit me up and said, hey, you want to meet Ric Flair? I'm like, yeah. Hell yeah. So I made my girlfriend stay outside in the car for three hours while I hung out with Ric Flair. Dude. There's one ticket. What? She's the greatest girlfriend in the world. What? I know. She didn't get to meet Nature Boy, but I did. Okay. So, I mean, any highlights? What's, I mean... Uh- yeah, so I feel like I was the most normal person in there. It was like this. It was like this luncheon little thing where you walk in and you're in this little sports memorabilia store in, in some place close to Kansas City. Okay, and, and you walk in there and there's Ric Flair and he is the real deal. Okay, and everybody else is like really like I like wrestling. Yeah, these other guys live and die for wrestling like they knew in 1976 which ymca he wrestled uh-huh there's no name at so i just kind of was like hey rick i just want to picture man i was pretty cool he liked me i think because i wasn't like 
trying to you know get everything kiss him out on of, the lips. Yeah, get everything out of him. <laughs> was he sober? You know, he's. I've watched his what's it, thirty and thirty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. don't think he's ever been sober, dude. That guy. I mean, I thought Andre the Giant was a big drinker, but when the stories of Ric Flair, oh yeah, I you know, I just uh, you know, it, it's got to be something with that profession, like constant pain. Yeah, on the go all the time. I mean, I don't under. I also don't get the um, the amount of touring those guys do because you you talk to them and they're like, "Well, I'm on the road." Or, you know, Triple H, I've been on the road for 330 days out of the year for the last, you know, 15 years. Like, what? I I guess in Manhattan, we don't have much of a wrestling scene, but I'm guessing it's everywhere else. I mean, it's 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 in it's hot in many other states or that's huge in areas. My mom used to do a little bit of like marketing for them and they would come have shows in Topeka. Yeah. And we'd get to to meet some of the guys. Yeah. And. They would just, I think they would just kind of fly in, find a gym, live in a hotel, go to the meet and greet, and then wrestle, and then do the same thing over and over again. Have you ever wanted to no. to dive into it, no, to get, get into it? I'd like to be like an announcer. Not really. But yeah. if I was going to be a position, I'd rather not be be with those guys. I don't know if you've seen those guys. I, I'm sure they like, look like they don't look like a us. bunch of Legos just like stacked together yeah, like nothing. They're like six five, three hundred fifty <laughs> pounds, all of them except for the you know smaller ones. But the big guys, like when I, I met Stone Cold, and he was large, what? he was he was ginormous and yeah, impressive. He, they're specimens, and they're slamming yeah. each other around. They're yeah. running into yeah. each other. It's nuts. Is wrestling real? Um, that's a good question. <laughs> That'll get you in some fights with some people. <laughs> I refer to the "It's still real to me" video yeah. from, from YouTube. Okay, it's still real to me. It's still real. So, what do you? Okay, so what are your what are your thoughts about wrestling now? What do you think about the culture now? I think that, or how do you, especially during the COVID? I haven't really watched wrestling. I'm more of like an '80s '90s wrestling guy. Gotcha. Gotcha. So I like the I watched the old school stuff where that was like uncensored and untamed. Mm-hmm. Now it's kind of more PG, which is cool. Would you get yourself like? Would you go really dark and go to the underground stuff, the cutting, the okay. the, the the blood, the 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 lights that are shattered over people? Did you, did you watch the Dave Arquette? It's funny the David Arquette documentary. Yes, I've that freaked me out. Yeah, and dude. I would not want to be in those areas. And there's no money in it. All, they're just they're just bleeding everywhere. Yeah, there's no money in it. There, I've watched documentaries. I've never been to one of those things. Okay, uh, like backyard wrestling and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Tax on your back. It's insane. I've yeah, I've watched a ton of stuff on there, but it's just not marketable, man. Nobody's gonna watch. Or some people will, but I'm not gonna watch that. I guess like, you can take your kid to that. Uh, no, no. Uh, and in my head, I was like, oh, some of those things are gimmicky. Like some of those things really don't hurt that bad. But then after a while, I was like, wait, they're body slamming dudes on tax on the yeah. on the ground. Like That's you brutal. can't you can't fake that. You can't. That's real, dude. <laughs> that part's real. Is there a pain tolerance? I, I, I don't know. I, I, you, you gotta love the sport, I guess. Yeah, I think that I think that there a lot of those guys' the substances are kicking in. I don't know. I don't know how they do it. Yeah, how, yeah, right. How how can you get through the? There's the, no way. Uh, yeah. Anyways, I that's cool. I love I love that you love wrestling. Um, I never, you know. My my younger brother once NWO was kind of kicking out, kick kickstarting. That's kind of when I was leaving. So 
Yeah, I would say I would more. I'd be way more classical wrestling myself. A lot of time. Was it Saturday morning or was it Sunday night? Oh, gosh, I forget which channel it was, but yeah, it was. It was a weekly occurrence in my household. Who's your, who's your favorite? I mean, besides Ric Flair, who's my favorite? <laughs> That's a good question. Mm. As a kid, I really like the Rock. You like Rock, yeah? I mean, I think he's one of the greatest. I, I I don't judge people based on their wrestling, though. I judge them based off their promos. Okay. So Ultimate Warrior, Macho Man. Who's who's the most overrated? Who's the most overrated wrestler that you would say based on promos? Oh God, this is going to be a hard one. There's so many. I would say Shawn Michaels, and I love Shawn Michaels. Wow, that's some bold. But I think that he's overrated on promos. I think that everybody, a lot of guys smoked him. Undertaker and Kane smoked him and didn't say anything. <laughs> that's my opinion. That's okay. That's good. But I love Shawn Michaels. Yeah, if because he's listening. He, I mean, he, well, he R- should come R- on R- here. RIP, R- 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 right? <laughs> Isn't Shawn dead? He's alive. Oh, he is. I'm yeah. thinking of. You might be thinking of Owen Hart. No, maybe. He's fell in Kansas City. Um, my brother was at that show. Okay. Was that's fit- the second person I know that's been at that show. Yeah. Sean was at that show, my younger brother, and saw the fall. Wow. Crazy. That is crazy. Yeah. And he was pretty dang close to the ringside, too, I think. That's nuts. Yeah. It, it, was, a, it was a crazy story. Um, what's, so who's the best villain? Who's the best villain of all time? The best villain. I think the guys that double as villains and heroes are kind of the best. Cause like, is Macho Man a hero or is he a villain? I, Macho Man was Macho Man. Yeah. He was like, right. Like he was real. Like it was like a, schiz- like a schizophrenic, <laughs> paranoid schizophrenic guy. <laughs> but the best villain? Vince McMahon. Ah, uh, good call. He's ruthless. Good call. He, he is hilarious. Because. For a long time, Undertaker was classic villain, like classic, mm-hmm. like, oh, this guy's representing death. But then mm-hmm. his fandom became so large that there's kind of that there's kind of that tipping point with fans. Yeah. It's like once you start becoming loved and everybody's cheering for you to win, mm-hmm. you're not really a villain anymore. Yeah, you can't be. You can try to be. Your stuff doesn't stink anymore. <laughs> like The Rock. The Rock's never been a nice guy. Right. Everybody thinks he's a nice. Yeah, and that's kind of I guess that's that's what happened with that culture it was like stone cold came in mm-hmm. and it was just like you know what works is this these fans probably have been bullied in their life and they want a hero who just you know puts the middle mm-hmm. finger in people's faces smashes crushes beer crushes beers <laughs> and lives the life that you want to live um i'm trying to think yeah i was a big uh I, I love the the cartoons back in the day when when they had the junkyard dog and hulk mm-hmm. hogan and everything like that you know, I would say for a long time, I've always stood by Hulk and was like, you know, he's he's got to be Michael Jordan. Like, he's got to be the best. But what hap- But what's sad is when you have a longevity career, you have so many peaks and valleys, right? You're oh, going to sure. fa- fall from grace at some point. Sure. And I, I think that maybe might have hurt his legacy a little bit. Yeah, I think a lot of guys just have trouble stepping away from it. And that's you see it in, in everything else, too. Yeah, you see that in football. You mm-hmm. see that in, in any sort of arena where you sure. walk out and you have thousands of people screaming your name. Definitely, it's got to be the it's got to be the best drug in the world. I, I don't I don't know how you could even match that. And then if you're on drugs mm-hmm. while that drug is kicking in, which they are, yeah. <laughs> 
There's no way they're not. Yeah. Watch I, those promos. Well, just look at their Jeez. bodies. Just oh, look. Oh, anabolics. Yeah. Yeah. We're talking about that. Everything's yeah. broke. Everything's trying to mend together mm-hmm. before they go to the next show. Why? So, so the controversy is all around like Vince McMahon taking care of these guys through their their careers. Why has that never been, you know, really addressed or? Well, you know, it's always just been the culture that you just work hard. Mm-hmm. You you put your, you literally lay your body on the line every night. Why does it have to be that way? You think? I think Vince, and this is my opinion, because a lot of people love Vince. I think that he's got such a stronghold on everything. He can kind of treat people the way he wants to. If they're a value, they'll probably get treated better. If they're making Vince money, I'm sure there's no problem. And he did he still get your brand right? If you're a if if you become a a, a celebrity mm-hmm. in in his in the WWE, then he gets to own that brand in perpetuity, pretty much. Except for The Rock, from my understanding, The Rock owns his own stuff. So he was able to maybe buy it out, or yeah, I think so. Yeah, that's that's interesting. How did how did music start for you? Okay, so I started in fourth grade orchestra. Which what was your instrument? Double bass because I knew that they were the same Slap notes the and bass. strings as the guitar, so I got an hour of practice every day for what fourth the senior year in high school. Uh huh. So I didn't need to play guitar. You know, I mean, no piano lessons. Nope. I don't know. My sister does. I I wish I did. My daughter wants to play piano. Okay. I mean, I can make chords and I can write songs and stuff on the piano, but I'm not like Ben Folds or anything. You know. <laughs> I can't shred the piano. I got to see him uh, before COVID. He's so good. It was fun. I've seen Ben Folds like five times. It's so good. He's, he's amazing. I wasn't a Ben Folds fan. My, really? my wife was. Mm. So I surprised her with a trip to Starlight. And now I listen to albums constantly all oh, the time. So good. After seeing him in concert. He's so satirical and just a genius writer. Lyrics are, are pretty good poetry. Yeah. Uh, so, okay. So when did you know you wanted to be in rock and roll? And live that life. Uh, I think that was pretty early. On. My my mom and dad have both been kind of music promoters. Okay. Like my dad wanted to be a, a rock and roll person, and when he was younger, he promoted band local bands here. And my mom still helps promote and book bands. So your dad is from Manhattan. Yep. Really. Mm-hmm. So is my my family too. Okay. Yeah. 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 My dad grew up here as well. My mom grew up in Kansas City, but yeah, my dad is from Manhattan. Grew up on Sunny Slope. Like my house, we've had it since '59. Wow, the family has anyway. Yeah, so that's awesome. We've been here for a long time. And so what? So, battle the bands. Like, what's how 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 do you keep going with your dream? Because I think that's that's what I experienced too. Like, I I wanted to be an actor, and I went to school for it, and you know, I graduated K State with theater degree. Um, but at some point, I realized act. I realized after seeing real talent and I know I didn't have it. It was like kind of playing basketball against someone who's a D one athlete. You go, Oh yeah, that's not, I'm not going to be able to play in that arena. I could dream about it. And I've been told my dreams can come true if I just keep having them. But I, I lost, I was like, no, this is a grind. Like I can, I can make some money, but like it, it is very, very, very difficult. How do you, how do you keep the, the motivation to keep going well i think that our case is weird because in in my mind as far as music goes you know and i've got my my hands in a lot of things i think as far as music goes we've probably gotten further than i ever thought we would 
I sure, I'm sure that helps. Lower the bar, lower the expectations. Yeah, I mean, and, and not even that. Like, you know, we, I never set out as a, like wanting. I just wanted to have a band and be my even if it's a local band. Mm-hmm. But you know, now we've got to open for our heroes and got to hang out with them, and we're on a record label, and you know, they they've helped us fund our record, and so I think you know, I never thought we'd get you know help from a record label. And your band is Headlight Rivals. Okay, on Black Sight Records from Kansas City. Nice. So they're they're a nice little punk rock label that is ran by by other musicians and guys have been doing it forever in Kansas City and they're really really awesome. Truck Stop Love is that is that is all, is first, of, first album or uh, well this is uh this they're one of our favorite local bands from oh, the mid nineties from Manhattan. Okay, and they they kind of got some big label exposure in the nineties and they kind of just came back within the last couple of years and they're also on the label. I mean it's kind of some good. Manhattan, Kansas City area bands. Well, I'm the the thing I'm appreciative of is just having um just having, you know, something like this in Manhattan cuz I always thought it's just you have to go to Lawrence. Mm-hmm. Th- those are like the venues that are really set up to to have the the talent. And Manhattan's really never going to have a premier venue and it, what is the the difficulty with that? Why are we just jumped over when it comes to bands going to Lawrence, but Manhattan's just not the the right stopping? Well, I think we're a little bit off of the the beating path, right? Of I seventy, yeah, okay, well, just a little bit, yeah, nine, you know, ten miles. And I think that you know, like besides our place, you know, Annie Mays is doing all, is, does the bands yep and so does uh well you know aggie station used to and mm-hmm. of course that's no more yep and the hat does like red dirt country bands and they they and they're business people they're smart i mean they want they know what demographic they're dealing with and they yeah. know how to get butts i've seen the turnpike seats. there a couple times and turnpike I've, Troubadours? I've loved it loved it i loved saw it. old 97s and who else american aquarium opened for them a couple of years ago okay at the Uptown Theater. It was a great show. That's awesome. Yeah, but, we were at the same one then. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. That mm-hmm. was a cool show. Yeah, it was a great show. Um, but they can't tour anymore. Really? No. Why not? Lead, the lead singer. He's He's been an addict and alcoholic for so long. Like He was he was struggling even before that tour, and then okay. he came back on tour and fell off again. And It's, it's basically like... You can't, have, you can't have your cake and eat it, too. You can't have this great band perform, and they're great in person. Yeah. But, you know, I think that I've kind of learned that. And I'm, I know so many musicians now that are dry, that are totally not drinkers. Yeah. And I even, I'm only in my late 20s. You're, you're actually uh, taking a, you took a pause, didn't you? I did. I, I don't, I, I mean, I, I'll drink when I want to. Yeah. But, but yeah. did you like take a, like a, I took like a, a conscious a break? A month and a half. What was that like? It's great. When the was the last time you, what was the better. last? <laughs> When was the last time you took a month and a half off of drinking? Mm, I did it one time. I did a month a couple of years ago, but something catastrophic happened, and not to me necessarily, but something that happened at the end of we did dry January, uh-huh. kind of like the Joe uh, Rogan, kind of like sober, sober October, October, kind of. But but you you know, this was the longest time I've done since I was like in college or something. Yeah, and you know my my girlfriend doesn't really drink. Okay. And, you know, you just get so used to it on the road because usually you, you get a, you have a deal with the venue you're playing. Mm-hmm. And this is the same thing I'm sure Turnpike Troubadours kind of dealt with. Their writer or? Yeah I, yeah. I mean, like, you get used to just, they have, you have free booze. 
And yeah. then you, and then, and if you go on a tour and you're not a person who abuses substances or isn't prone to doing that, after four days of doing a free tab, yeah, you get kind of, it gets kind of old. Yeah. So I think a lot of guys, like, I don't know if you, Jason Isabel. Okay. I'm not, I'm not familiar, but he, if you like Turnfight Troopers, you'd love Jason Isabel. But like guys like him, you know, they, they quit drinking because they like drinking. I mean, they're, but it's going to kill them if they stay on the road. Dude. For too long. I've always had. I've always had the itch since college to get drink a lot and mm-hmm. drink and go for it, but I've never ever had the want to drink two days in a row. Like if I drink too much, there's no way I can even touch it the next yeah. day. Like there's no there's no there's no happy feeling in my body that can be turned back on again. Like sure. I need I need I need all the the molecules to get their rest as well before we can actually go back to to real life. So I don't know how. I mean, it's alcoholism. Um, I just don't. I and I've had friends who know who can also live that life and can can run that that fast. I just can't do it. I just luckily, I guess. With training for me, I can't do it. Yeah, There's that's no gotta, way. Hung over uh, trying to get a sweat in. It's gotta gotta be the yeah, worst. You're not. I mean, just the motivation. I mean, you you, you quit. Yeah, I mean, I've when I was younger and bouncing and being in the bars a lot. When I was 23, it could happen. Yeah. Now that I'm get close to thirty, mm-hmm. not that I'm recovering slow or anything, but it's just priorities. I think you know I'm gonna lift better, perform better if I don't go out and drink and stuff. Well, so how are you able to? I mean, how, how do you, how does that process work with you when you want to perform tonight, but yet you know drinking shouldn't be a part of the equation? Well, usually, I mean, Cause stay that, away from shots. The trigger, yeah. Stay, uh, okay. I mean, try to balance out hydration. I and mean, people seem to be hydrated in general, besides drinking, but just fitness wise. Like people aren't hydrated enough. Mm-hmm. So if you if you have a, if you're playing a show and you're one of those people that wants the edge, yeah, or what wants to feel the fuzzy or whatever, which sounds weird, but uh, that makes sense. Just have a couple beers. You know, you can have fun. You don't have to go full bore. You don't have to. Yeah, but if you're an ex- but if you're an ex- if you're an extrovert sure. and people want to party with you, and that's how I am, and especially. If you're the the lead singer or you know the the front man, you just have you got to gotta live no. that life though, right? You got to say no. <laughs> you got to say no at some point. And I'll tell you why. We had we have, for all the friends out there that love Eric, please give this man some room. Let <laughs> let him not take that shot with you guys. I mean, I'll I'll generally I'll do them, <laughs> but if you if you you generally you know. I, I I plan things out pretty well because I I fitness and you know strength is so important to me that that I try to I don't know periodize okay. what I'm doing on a daily schedule. So if this is going to inflict with this tomorrow. Mm-hmm. If I got to get up early tomorrow, then I'm not doing the tequila shots with you. But rock and roll man is about living for tonight, living for no, the now, no, no, living no. for today. No way. In the moment, we don't no have way. tomorrow. All those guys are dead. All those guys are dead. <laughs> You know, the, the wisdom of the road. Here's an example. Okay. We we went on this four or five stop mini tour with four bands. Okay. We were switching who would close out every night. The first night, I think we were at the record bar in Kansas City. Okay. And all the bands are great. So we went last, which usually is like sometimes taking a bullet. If it's like a Tuesday on a tour and you're in some place, luckily we're in Kansas City. So some people know who we were. So the first band of the night got drunk and started coming up during 
my my set my my <laughs> our fourth slot into the night set right and it's pretty packed but they kept he was drunk the drummer was drunk trying to like detune my guitar and stuff which is cool i mean it is what it is it's fun that's rock and roll yeah he's fucking with you whatever so the next night we played the bottleneck in lawrence and we went first and they went last so i got the crowd or i bought a shot for this guy between every song of ours <laughs> Which was nine songs. So he had nine <laughs> shots during our set. And then he had two bands. And then Excellent. Then, you took him down. So in this way, you have to say no. Right. Because all he had to do was say no. But then he started. To, he's like, this is fun. I'm going to start doing more shots. So he started doing shots by himself. And <laughs> and so by the time. And he's a great drummer. Like if you watch him, it's like watching like Dave Grohl play drum. I mean, the guy is like solid. He's in the pocket. By the time their set came around. He was two songs in and he couldn't stand up. He oh. just kind of, and the videos are amazing. The lights are out. The videos are the best drumming videos I've ever seen. They're hysterical. Because he couldn't do it or he... There was uh, no way I, he was doing anything. <laughs> or he had a second gear and... Because he was he was doing the rock and roll, live in the moment thing. Yep. Which will really make your band mad sometimes. Yeah. It's a team, right? Or your boss. It's a or whoever you show up drunk to do your job for. <laughs> Well, so fitness. What? What? How did that start? What? What's been your journey with fitness? Because you've kind of, since since I've kind of known you or followed you a little bit, you've been all kind of all over the place. You I have been. I, I hate. I sorry if this offends you, but nope. you've you've fluctuated. Also, you've gotten big. You've gotten small. Like mm-hmm. you've gotten strong. It's interesting that like you're you're pliable. You're you're malleable. Like you. What what am I wrong in that or no, has, has, has that been has that happened to you or you're a hundred percent right no so I started lifting weights and doing fitness stuff because when I was sixteen or seventeen years old and this is true uh, amps were really heavy to carry down Annie Mays yeah you were playing at sixteen years old in yeah, Annie Mays oh yeah, oh yeah so so when I started lifting the amps got easier to carry down. And now all these other guys are like, man, this is this is too heavy. It's like, what are you talking about? You're just, <laughs> you're just lazy. Just go, you know, walk around the block or do something fitness wise or whatever. But so that's how it started. Okay. And I'm like, naturally like 120 pounds. Like wow. if I didn't lift weights, I'd be like, how tall are you? I'm five ten. Okay. So if I didn't lift weights and eat like like a horse, yeah. I would be just a skinny guy. Uh huh. So, but you were also pretty dang strong. Yeah, I was pound for pound. I mean, I was elite like you had, deadlift. You had a three, talent. Three times body weight. You know, I mean, I could always deadlift and were squat you, a lot. Were you in a competition of, did you ever do any like heavy, oh, yeah. heavy lifting competitions? I've done strongman competitions, powerlifting competitions. Strongman's definitely my thing. Do they have weight classes for strongman though? They do. Okay. They do. Yeah, I, I usually, my last strongman I was in was a Missouri strongest man. What? And I cut from 227 or no 222 down to under 200 to get in the weight class. Okay. So I was huge. What were you pulling at that time? At that time? Yeah. 650 probably. Shut up. Yeah. You're not pulling 6 now, are you? Yeah. What? So my best ever 710 when I was 312. Okay. That's where the fluctuation comes in. <sighs> and naturally Oh, so I'm just I'm just thinking of failing at 700. Like, I'm sure it feels great to make 700, but to fail at 700. 
the Blo- work. bloody nose. I mean, I've never had a bloody nose. Okay, I've, I've seen star. I don't know. I've never. Everybody I've trained with push, but I've never had the bloody nose. So to how, my knowledge, most most uh, you know, I've, I've lifted a little bit, but when you go heavy, there really is a danger zone of sure. of you are putting yourself at a point where your body is saying we could probably do this or we're yeah. going to fail doing this. And, oh, if you, yeah. and if you don't fail, then you don't, you're not really testing the limits of your body. So, I mean, are you, are you comfortable with that fear? So I think that the way that a lot of people look at training is weird. I think that um, people should train optimally and not maximally. So if you can get more good out of doing a lighter weight that'll do the same, just just do the same good for you as doing a heavier weight, then do the lighter weight. Yeah. And that's also a restoration or a longevity thing. Mm-hmm. But yeah, there is there is an element. I mean, the heavier you get, the more risk there is. How many injuries have you had? I've had no major injuries. Is that is that odd for for someone who 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 is constantly putting pressure on their body? Mm, maybe. I mean, everybody's gonna have little hiccups. Like if you're, ben- I, I mean, right now I'm benching like I'm not not too much. I'm benching like three sixty five. Okay. And you know, close grip. Uh, close grip is probably three fifty or something. Really? It's pretty. It's pretty close. Wow, it's pretty close to the same. But you know, I mean, there's always gonna be little hiccups or little things are gonna get beat up. A little bit of shoulders are gonna always gonna like your body's not meant to put a bunch of weight on your back and press it up off your chest. You're just we're not meant to do that, right? You know, so there's always gonna be a little shoulder something or elbow or but some, no something. No tear. No tears. Nothing like that. That's crazy. Yeah. Good for you. Yeah, I mean, I tried. My conditioning is really high, so I try to keep everything, keep everything in line, and not. A lot of guys go one way or the other. They they either want to be bodybuilder, pump monkeys, or they want to go super heavy all the time. Mm-hmm. But I think the real one thing that CrossFit has, and it's you know to say the, the good thing about CrossFit, yeah, is that I think that they do a lot of repetitions and some maximal effort work. Mm-hmm. So I think that is probably something everybody should learn from is you don't just do high reps or low reps, do everything. Mm-hmm. Just make sure you know why you're doing it. Yeah. I, you know, my love for CrossFit has actually dwindled. Really? Yeah, it really has. Um, and I, I like the sport. Um, I went to the gym yesterday and kind of did a variation of it. It was it, it was more of like I was neat, I was way down the rabbit hole when it came to the, the CrossFit games. And that, gotcha. whole, that whole in the last couple of years has just, um, it's tanked. They have destroyed the sport in my opinion. I've heard that. Yeah. They've destroyed the sport. Um, they went really odd and just confusing ways of following the sport. And, um, of course, uh, the, the CEO, he got canceled as well. He said something, he said something offensive. Um, they lost the Reebok sponsorship, right? Yep. Um, now it's noble. Um, but since it, it also happens when Matt Fraser wins five times in a row and you just go, man, there's nobody even close to him. Um, it's a little bit like Tom Brady, you know, like, sure. like, dude, quit, just retire. Yeah, just you know, get out of here. yeah, we want to see something new. So maybe this year we'll, we'll see a new uh, champion emerge out of the CrossFit games. But um, CrossFit's an interesting conversation. Yeah. Because, you know, a lot of people, I mean, one good thing CrossFit's done is it's gotten barbells in a lot of people's hands that yeah. wouldn't necessarily have touched a barbell before. Oh, sure. Yeah, free weights and just the just owning that type of equipment for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
No, no. Where I disagree with CrossFit, and this is every strength guy <laughs> yeah. here is kipping you know. pull-ups. Yeah, I'm not a fan of kipping pull-ups. <laughs> I like real pull-ups, but but like you know, I just think do a hundred of them. They'll, they'll feel real real after a while. CrossFit gets uh, scrutinized for for injuries. Sure. And I think that I think what people need to realize about CrossFit is CrossFit is not sports specific training. The only sports specific training CrossFit is is for CrossFit. Mm-hmm. Like you can't. There's no way you can run a four minute under mile and deadlift 600, 700 pounds. These are just two conflicting, you know, things. So I think that people need to realize that if you're doing CrossFit, there might be injuries. I mean, like. No Olympic coach is going to tell you to do 30 clean and jerks uh-huh. in a row. Right. Because they're only going to do one in the sport. Right. So I think there's a lot of confusion there. And it's like really hard to, to drug for. Like anabolics and CrossFit are it's an insane concept. What do you mean? Dr- like what are you going to like? Okay. If you're a, if you're a power lifter. Okay. You know what to take. Because you know your goal. In CrossFit, there's no steroid that's going to make you. Swim, swim faster over here. Deadlift faster over here, yeah. or better over here. I mean, there's nothing that's going to make you maximally stronger and be an endurance animal at the same time. Which is why, <clears throat> which is why I liked the sport because mm-hmm. I felt like it was like more of a pure test of fitness where you weren't in just one vacuum of of sport. Um, but then again, it's like it does also feel like okay. Today we're going to be playing two on two basketball, and then this afternoon we're going to bowl. Sure. And you're just going, uh, yeah, that's a lot. Sure. It's a really big variance of like talent and skill. Um, but I guess the Olympic has the 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 pentathlon or whatever sure. like that. Sure. But um, I think that it's got a lot of people into other sports too. I think I just think <clears throat> actually I would say before that I think P90X when mm-hmm. P90X came out I think the idea of fitness mm-hmm. and it not being in a six minute easy accessible gimmick that you buy but sure. it was this routine mm-hmm. that was super hard and we and fitness people were finally saying if you want to look good you're gonna to have to work your tail off every day sure and here's the videos and everybody was like duh like i know i have to go lift every day mm-hmm. or i know i have to like take care of my diet every day like it's not it's not a six minute abs it's not a thigh master i think that progression then clicked well to crossfit because then crossfit was like this whole genre of like holy cow people are dying on the mat and people love it yeah people love people are now rabdo yeah rabdo and they're embracing pain they're they're instead of embracing comfortability um so yeah, I, I I think that's what I liked about it the most. Like it's I intense. Need, yeah, it's intense, but it's also I need someone pushing me hard because honestly, there's no, there's just no, there's no easy way to get get around being excellent. Sure, you know, and I think that I don't know how your CrossFit coaching worked, but I think that in some ways I'm a lot of people do similar things to what probably a CrossFit coach. Because I think most coaches have the same kind of thing in mind. Mm-hmm. Like I don't know if you're. CrossFit did front loading. Uh, before before a, a max out? Let's say like, because the way that I would program somebody is let's say you get your strength work done for like you do your mobility or whatever your warm ups. Okay. Then you do like, let's say you've got five sets of three on your overhead press. Yep. You hit that first. And then we go into the wad. Yeah. See, and that, if a, if a CrossFit is uh, experience is, is kind of programmed like that, 
I kind of am okay with it because, because okay. I mean, basically what you're doing is you're trying to get stronger. Yeah. And you're trying to get more conditioned and get more work in and your wad. So it's just GPP, you know, general physical preparation to make everything to make you more conditioned. So, so when people program CrossFit like that, I'm much more about it. What do you like about coaching? I like what well, I like coaching better than, than competing, actually. Yeah. I like it because I think that there's anybody can coach. Like if you, if you are. Isn't that a good and bad thing? <laughs> that is a very good and bad yeah. thing. Yeah. YouTube has proven that. Um, but let's say if you have a great, like let's Westside Barbell, for example, they're a great gym. Yeah. They have one of the best coaches in the world. He coaches these guys so thoroughly that you've got 10 mini coaches underneath them just because they're athletes that have been in the trenches for so long. Mm-hmm. So these guys know, not even from coaching, just from being coached, know 90% more than almost anybody else. So for me personally, what I like about coaching is, I mean, I've coached you know, professional athletes, NCAA athletes, is you can get a totally different work out of them in the weight room. And either they're, you know, when I trained Daniel Sams. Mm-hmm. He wasn't that great of an D Sams. He wasn't that great of a of a weightlifter. Really? I got him. Well, you mean technique wise? I mean, he just wasn't. He wasn't as very as strong as maybe other people. Like I trained other people for K State guys that wouldn't even really play. They'd get go to some other school, mm-hmm. do really well, but they're academically couldn't play or something. Yeah. And these guys were freaks. I mean, these guys were jumping on 50, 60 inch boxes. Yeah. They were. I mean, these are fast guys. They were deadlifting triple body weight they were bench pressing double body weight and they were 150 160 just i mean smaller guys that were fat were quick so it's exciting to see just just pure talent sometimes that that's always good but you can you can bring different stuff out of people in the weight room like we had a girl through for k-state danny winters mm-hmm. she deadlifted 405 Wow! and just to see a girl a female athlete do that is insane naturally yeah. and you know so I, I like coaching i think it's fun to see other people get it's like when you get strong to me you just lift the weight, and then after you put it back, it's like, did I ever lift the weight? You know, when you watch somebody else do it, then it's like, okay, they're doing something. Yeah, it means more, I think, when other people are when you can help them get to there. Not that sounds like stupid, but when when you're coaching them to get better, it's better than for yourself. Because for me, it's just like, oh, I just bench three fifty again, whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, who cares? You know. So Church of Swole is your is is your gym, right? Yes, and. My girlfriend actually does most of the training out of Swole now. Okay. I do. I do too. Okay. But she, I'm just, that's kind of her thing. She does more like, Kate does a lot of aesthetic training for people, which is more popular, of course. Yeah. And I do more of the horsepower training. Mm-hmm. So. And, and if you could describe your gym, how would you describe it? It is like an a rock, out, a rock concert saloon <laughs> in the 1800s gym. Everybody's like, seen Rocky Four, right? That's that's exactly. basically Eric's gym. Yeah, in Russia, never trust a gym that's too clean. If a gym's clean, <laughs> if a gym's really clean, I had to train in a corporate gym on vacation last couple of days at Genesis. Uh huh. And dude, it's a mess. Like corporate gyms are a mess. Why? Like because you, they just let anybody in, which is like they're making money. I get the business side of it. True, but like. There's just weird, like there's just crazy people. Like we were in Tulsa, and both days this guy came in. He had to just be on meth, <laughs> just doing whatever, you know, just just punching the punching bag, <laughs> doing random stuff. I mean, just like like it's kind of entertaining. Yeah, you go there to but see. But it's not it's not a controlled environment. 
Yeah, it's not where I would want to go for PRs or maxes. You know, I mean, you got to do what you got to do. What are your goals right now? What are what are your fitness? Um, what are you working on right now? My goals right now. My my biggest goal. And when are you going to get it by so we can all hold you accountable to it? I'm going to get. Let me see here. Hopefully by the new year. Okay. But that'll be pretty easy, I think. I'm going to my squat and deadlift are already kind of where I wanted to get them both six. They're both deadlifts definitely six squats. Do you front real squat? close. I do. Okay. Best I've done a front squat is like four oh five for five or something. I never maxed out, maxed out. Yeah. Um, do you knee wrap? I I don't unless I'm competing. I never use knee wraps. I use elbow sleeves because just tendonitis and stuff. Haven't you tried to wrap your knee? Like it makes everything so much easier. It takes so much easier. Yeah, you can put fifty <laughs> pounds on your squat. Yeah. Yeah, it's a miracle. That's why you say. And for you feel like your knees are not going to explode. And right. See, I don't have that problem. My knees are always good. Okay. But if I throw something on them, then I'm gonna. I could. I mean, the most I've squatted is six fifty with wraps. Okay. So, and that was relatively easy. So pulling six, back squatting mm-hmm. six, bench press four hundred five. Okay. Which that'll be pretty easy goal. You you're gonna, have, you're I mean, gonna get there. Bench press is easy. If, Could have strong arms. What do you love more, lifting, coaching, lifting, or rock and roll? That's a good question. Or wrestling. I get asked that all the time. <laughs> wrestling is on the back burner. Um, Your daughter, obviously, is number one. Definitely, which is funny because she loves both of the things, too. That's awesome. Um, but, you know, I think I, I kind of see them as similar things. Like, I can't imagine not playing music but i can't imagine like i'm the guy that's like annoying like we go on tour and i'm like i'm finding a gym because mm-hmm. that's just my thing mm-hmm. but you know that that i think i like them both <laughs> equally i mean they're both very similar because you have to put time into both of them and you both have, you have to kind of work you have to have progressive goals or your band's just gonna suck or you're gonna suck at lifting if you don't have a a goal in mind well what is the goal for the band how do you what what does what that how do you equate band goals i mean it can't just be like we want to be famous like yeah that's not gonna happen yeah, I mean, that just doesn't happen for people like that you can't be motivated by that no there's just certain things you know for a long time i mean i wanted to play south by southwest yeah i want to go to austin and play that during the festival and then we've done that four times nice so like little goals like that you know i mean i'd like to you know, there's certain certain shows and stuff that you just try to strive to get, and mm-hmm. then you get them. You know, I mean, it's it's kind of a linear process, honestly. You build momentum and and try to and and maintain that that con that the constant work and everything. Yeah, are you going to get your the rest of the bandmates with their shirts off uh, ripped? And uh, I don't think you'll see that with headlight. Okay, right. uh, they're they're big boys. <laughs> <laughs> they're full-figured men dude we can all change look at you i, I think can... they like being full-figured like oh, that's part gotcha. of the package gotcha i hear like, you i'm gonna lose my shtick like if i if i get really right lean, i want to be the only lean guy yeah that's right just kidding i don't care they can get jacked <laughs> if they want <laughs> it'd probably be good for them yeah we don't want a skinny headlight that's not my band no I, it's I, a carney I, encore yes yeah, carney encore yes that's the skinny band when are they coming back when are you guys getting back together <laughs> I'll do it whenever. When's when is the basement getting back together? When's the basement concert's going to start back? We up? will see. You know, um, it's kind of touchy right now. You know, what no, are you waiting on? Well, I'm, I want to make sure everybody's safe first. Sure, because I'm not so sure, and I'm I'm not obviously an expert on COVID nineteen. I don't think anybody is. 
this. But I'm not sure. Sure, right? <laughs> but I don't know. I'm not sure there's not going to be another wave of something. I don't know. Well, that's I life. just don't want to be the one that that infects a bunch of people at my house. Okay. So, and we, like, you know, we have no trouble playing other shows. So it's kind of fun to play other shows right now. What does Manhattan need to keep growing its music scene? I think it needs good bands. And I think that. How do we, how do we get good bands? Well, how do we get good local bands? That's an organic process. But if there is a good band and I think, I think it's just like a business. If you don't market it right and you don't put yourself out there and make the right connections, you're never going to go anywhere. Do we have a school rock here? We don't. Not to my knowledge. I know Lawrence has something like it. The girls rock Lawrence or something. Yeah. We need a school of rock. That would be cool. We need someone to coach. dig it. You could coach mm-hmm. rock and roll True. to kids. That would be awesome. Let's I go. don't know if you, can, if you can coach rock and roll, though. It's so untamed, you know? Well, I mean, you just watch try. the movie. Just watch True. school. Just watch school. Yeah. He, he kind of figured out he some, he somewhat of the, the fundamentals. Um, hey, Eric, thank you so much for your time, man. Not a problem. Thanks but, for having me, dude. And and thanks for uh, keeping the the art alive, yep. and making people healthy. And um, I, I let me know when the the next concert is. Deal, we can do it. Awesome. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the end, and uh, we'll see you next time.